you know, I've never really been into what people say. I mean, my whole life they said I couldn't make it, I couldn't play basketball. And so I've heard it so much time where it's just like I'm numb to it. So yeah. social media never really was, you know, I never really care about what people say. Hello and welcome back to Detours, a glory sports podcast. As always, I am your host, Ben Patello, and on today's episode, we had a very special guest. We had the chance to speak with Toronto Raptors forward Chris Boucher and have honestly such a fascinating conversation about many different facets of the game. From his stardom in college to his late rise to becoming a bona fide NBA player to the player fan dynamic and how it's changed over the years, Chris gave us some great insight on the world of professional basketball. Perhaps the most interesting aspect, though, was our conversation about the media fan and player relationship and how it's affected him personally as well as evolved over the years. You know, as fans of the game, we don't often think about the impact that we have on players, but after this conversation with Chris, I know that I've already started doing that, and I think you will too. So with that being said, get comfortable, kick your feet up, and wherever you're listening from, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Chris. How are you, man? I'm good, you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Appreciate it. You grew up, obviously, in a rough area in Montreal, and I was just wondering... It seemed like basketball was your escape from all the hardships and tribulations that you faced. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, in the neighborhood where I grew up, you know, a lot of poverty, a lot of you know, drugs and, you know, just, you know, crimes and all. Um, it's kind of hard to find something sometimes as a kid to, you know, just get away and all. And best of all, did a lot of that for me, just find a peace, um, you know, still staying out to doing some, you know, sports activity and all. But I think the best thing was just to find something where I could put my mind without having to think about, you know, the place where I live and the struggle that I'm dealing with. And um, in terms of the basketball you were playing, it was like mostly pickup, right? Yeah. So when you finally got to that sort of structured um, setting with basketball, was there a moment where you kind of realized, we're like, okay, like this could be my life. This could be what I do with my life. Um, I think that everything's really got serious to me, and really, like, I started realizing when um, I went to um, the U.S. for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, just leaving my family. You know, that was the first time that I was leaving Canada, and just you know having a scholarship and all that. It kind of made me realize that okay, maybe I had a chance, and maybe it was true. Um, just having another team putting, you know, a scholarship under my name just made me realize that, you know, they see potential and that maybe I could do something with it. Um, I think that's when they really started to get really serious about, you know, playing basketball and trying to get to the point where I am right now. Yeah. And so your your time at Oregon, can you describe, like, the differences between playing NCAA ball versus NBA basketball? Like, what are the differences in coaching and team and teammates and camaraderie? Just give us a little bit of a description on that. I mean, there's so much on when you think about the game from college to the NBA playing with, you know, pros, guys that have been in the league for so long, you know, the maturity that you have to need a professional. Um, you know, just like you can't play basketball the same way, you know, there's other structures, there's politics, there's so much stuff that you're obviously um, not accustomed when you're in college. I think in college, it depends on what school you are, but usually you're the main guy. Now you go there, there's only three or four guys that are, you know, established. Um, you have so much stuff that you got to figure it out, that you got to kind of, you know, adapt to that um, makes it so different, the speed of the game, the physicality. Yeah, there's so much stuff that um, 
changed the game from um, college. So um, for me, what I needed to know is how to be a pro. I think that was the, the toughest thing is just like how to be a professional every day, knowing that even if it doesn't go your way, um, you still got to, you know, come here and go do, do work and, you know, try to get better every day. Uh, that was the, you know, that was the biggest learning for me, for sure. Yeah. So when you get to that sort of environment, you, you do very you do very well at the beginning and then you get that injury where you're sort of sidelined watching your teammates get drafted. And I'm sure that was just like it's such a horrible thing. It's a tragic like you're watching that and you feel sort of jealous. You're feeling sort of I could have done better. How did you did you think that this is where my basketball journey ends or was this like just another piece of motivation that you would use as fuel to light your fire and do even better? I'd say it's both. Um, I definitely first at first definitely um, thought it was over. I think that um, I really think that um, that's something that changed. Um, you know, every time that I got better during the, that year. But like when I first got my surgery, obviously I was, you know, thinking like, how am I gonna run fast again? How am I gonna be able to jump again? And um, you know, when you play your ACL during those first couple of months, it feels like you'll never get back. So. Um, I definitely felt that way, but then I also took it as like, you know what, uh, Golden State still gave me a two-way during that year. Um, after mm-hmm. I told so I was like, well, you know, there's some hope, you know, some people are still believing that uh, I could do something with uh, basketball. So um, I used it as, a, you know, something that was going to force me to get better. Uh, uh, just trying to figure out ways to, you know, understand what's going on. I feel like during that time when I got hurt, I was not really as grateful as I could have with basketball. So that kind of made me realize that, you know, without playing for a couple of months, whatever, how much I really loved the game and um, how I didn't want to, you know, pass by those opportunities just because I was hurt. Yeah. So speaking on the your time with Golden State, you obviously went from being sort of a mainstay in that starting lineup to somebody who was kind of on the fringes of getting, you know, just 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there on the two-way contract. How that happens to a lot of college players. So how, how was that shift in your playing style? Well, I mean, at first it was kind of hard because like, it's like, well, how come I'm not shooting the ball for eight, eight nine times? How come I'm not the main you know, option right now? And um, I mean, it, like I said, when you're young, you kind of feel like, oh, well, you know what? I know better than everybody and all that, but you don't understand the word behind it and the stuff that are going behind the scene that you need to figure it out. So, I didn't understand it at first. I thought that, you know, obviously, um, you know, they didn't understand and whatever. And obviously, I feel like um, the pro that I am now, was I wasn't as pro before, so that definitely didn't help. But, um, you know, I just had to figure out ways to, you know, show what I was capable of doing and just understand that it was going to take some time and that you can't just, you know, go all the way and be a starter or play 20 minutes. You're going to have to show it time and time, and one time is not enough. And, um, when I started understanding that, I started putting the work every day and just understanding that it was gradually going to get to a point where I was going to be able to be on the floor for more than five minutes and um, contribute to a team. And um, that's something that I felt like took me a little bit of time to understand. But like I said, my journey to, to, into the NBA made me realize a lot of things. And being a pro was the biggest thing. Obviously, I think if I was who I am right now and focused like I am right now, um, you know, maybe the process would have went faster, but I also think that it was good for me to go through those steps to understand, you know, how to truly be a professional. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And it, I find I found that it was sort of a reoccurring theme in your career where you just you're on this upwards trajectory and you're just doing better despite a lot of adversity against you. Um, and speaking on that, so your Golden State time was again we covered that, but then you arrive at Raptors nine hundred five and you just you do you do phenomenally. So I really want to know. What were the variables that made you such the such a have such a drastic change and and get so much success in that little time period? What were the differences between like Golden State and Toronto, like the coaching, the teammates, the development, the fitness? What made you into a better player, and why did it happen here? Well, I think there's two parts. I think the first part is messing up the first opportunity. Obviously, uh, you know when they waved me, you know, I, you know, I could have been out of the league, and I didn't want that. I was like, wow, I didn't even make a whole full year, and I'm out of the NBA. And um, you know, I really took it hard for at a point where I was like, well, that can't be how it's supposed to be. And I with everything that I've done and all that, so I, you know, that that definitely helped out. But also the fact that I, I always knew that I was better than you know what you know they saw from me and what I showed, but also felt like I needed to put in a lot of work uh, to myself. So. Um, when these two connected, when I started focusing on basketball and trying to be a true professional and putting the work, um, you know, that made me a different player. And then when I went to the 905, obviously, I wanted to be on the roster when I first got there and it didn't happen. They sent me to, they gave me a tour, so I was in the G League part time. And I, I told myself, I was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I want to make sure that after this year, they don't want to send me to G League, that I shouldn't be playing in G League. And that's how I see it. And no matter who I was playing or what I had to do, I want to make sure that I don't deserve to be here, that I should be in the big league with the big guys. And um, that's when I really, you know, changed my own personality, my sort of my own perspective, seeing the game, just wanted to make sure that um, I was going to get better, treat my body better. Uh, my mindset, like I said, that's something that I felt like, you know, any athletes, um, they need that free mind, that free space in their mind to, to actually play well. And um, I needed to find that. I needed to find my piece. And when I found it, um, the coaching, um, I had Gemma. I always remember it was my coach at that time. Um, he really gave me that confidence, told me, like, you know what, when you got the green light, I believe in you. And that also helped me out just because, um, I, you know, most of my career until I got to, Golden State, um, the coaches always go give me that green light. They always felt like, you know what, um, they believed in what I was able to do and they knew I was going to make a mistake, but they were still willing to deal with it. So um, that gave me ultimate uh, confidence in my shots and my game. And um, I wanted to do so more, so much more, just so everybody knew that I should be here. And that's exactly what I've done. Yeah, great. Um, and through that process, I mean, you're, you're coming in contact with so many different coaches, so many different teammates and people that could really play an important role in your life. Was there anyone that in specific that kind of helped you through, you know, and guided you through with really good advice and helped you overcome different challenges and kind of get your head right? And then he should be doing this, not this. You should be eating this and not that. Like, was there anybody that kind of was a was a very uh, key mentor to you? Yeah, I mean, Ibrahim, I think you met him. Um, yeah. You know, came to the game when I was really young, um, mindset. I kind of, you know, I knew basketball from playing outside in the street, but, like, there's a lot of stuff that yeah, I wouldn't have known without him. Um, he did a lot for me, just making me grow as a person, but in the game, too, and 
just realizing, making me believe that I was able to make it to the NBA and all that. All, all those stuff came from him. I think he, uh, um, you know, like I said, like I, I always tell myself, like I'm Christopher, but Chris, it was built by me and him. We both put the pieces to make, you know, who Chris is. And um, he definitely helped him, helped me out a lot. My mom, um, obviously my mom was always there with me, always telling me to, to believe in myself. And I mean, the combination of these two definitely helped me out. Uh, you know, becoming who I am now. Just um, not as like just a basketball player, but I've always seen the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's something that I, you know, was raised away and they helped me to stay that way where I don't kind of get loose too much. I don't really get too down on myself too much. If I do, then I forget about it real quick and move on to the next thing. And I think that's some, the mentality that you really need in sports just because, like I said, the game will go like this and you just need mm-hmm. to be a writer, you know ride the wave and be able to come back as strong as you can the next day if you have to. Yeah, there are for sure like many ups and downs throughout a career like that and pretty much anybody's career. Um, So how important, I guess you kind of explained it a little bit already, but Ibrahim is, it's kind of, he's kind of been with you your entire career. So, you know, he's, he's many different things. It seems he's your mentor. He's your friend. How important is his friendship sort of away from the game of basketball to you? I mean, I think the one thing that it definitely helps is just being able to get the true, the true honesty about the situation, not just in basketball, but in everything. And just knowing that, you know what, I, it comes from somebody that cares that helps out. Um, you know, obviously if I do something wrong, um, it has an impact on him, so I know he will never tell me something that I shouldn't be doing, and that's always good for me to to know that because just because um, you know you don't have not everybody has a circle where they helped him out consistently their whole career and never changed on them no matter what happened, and I think that's something that he's been able to do for me is just being the same person no matter what how big we got and everything that we got into, and I think that's something that. Um, you know, everybody should have is that one person where no matter what happened in their life or how big or how small they get, um, that person will always see them for who they are and will always give them advice on what they think is good for them, not for, but what for you, not for them. Yeah, cool. Um, So taking a bit of a turn here, you are playing in an era that is unprecedented in terms of the kind of coverage that you get both on television, on social media, who's talking about you. I mean, it's constant. So, and in some cases, like, fans and media alike can be very harsh, very critical of your performances, and in a multitude of different ways, on a multitude of different platforms. Has there ever been a point in your life where the outside noise, let's call it, from social media has really affected your mental health? Um, To be honest with you, I don't really... You know, I've never really been into what people say. I mean, my whole life they said I couldn't make it, I couldn't play basketball. And so I've heard it so much time where it's just like I'm numb to it. So yeah. social media never really was, you know, I never really care about what people say. Uh, so that, you know, it didn't really bother me as much as um, I think my second, third year when I started really getting into the social media and wanted to build my, you know, my, my page and wanted to get bigger and be known more. Uh, I think that really affected me a little bit more because now I was reading everything people were saying. And um, I don't think it was bothering me, but I was just like, wow, that's that's unbelievable how many people could be talking about you without knowing who, they, who you are. And yeah, just off that, I didn't want to feed into that too much. And I saw what it did to other people and all. And obviously, um, 
you know, it happens every day. People just retweeting and texting back and, you know, just saying stuff about people and they don't even really know. So I don't really get involved into that that much. Um, so it doesn't really affect me. If you tell me in person that we're going to have a conversation, it might affect me more because we're face to face. Yeah. But like, who knows is user four, five, six, seven, eight that thinks that today you're, you're ugly. Like, I, you know, I don't know you and it won't affect me. Yeah. I mean, it, see, like, I just, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I know me personally, I would definitely have a tough time not responding to some of the comments or the tweets or the or the DMs or whatever it is. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, you know what, like, I might just have to hit back at this person for what they're saying? Oh, yeah, I've, I've you know, I've answered to a couple of people. I mean, if, it's, if it was consistent where I felt like it's not even like a one tweet, like sometimes I don't, like, let's say you tweet something, somebody sent it to me, one of my friends sent it, like, did you see what that person said to me? Okay, whatever, he said that. But if it's consistent, like, let's say for 10 days in a row where my name is just on every single one of your tweets, which it already happened, then I had to, you know, I, I started and I'm like, man, I, you know, I don't know what I did for you. Well, I don't know what I did to bother you that much, but you know, I hope you have a better, a better day and all that. But yet, the one thing I realized about those people that usually do that, when you answer to them, they usually more like, I didn't believe you would answer, you know, how you doing? I'm your biggest fan. And it turns out to be something else. So um, sometimes it's to get the attention with sports. But like I said, now that I know those steps where I feel like I took different paths and um at that problem and you know had different results i'm like well we might as well just not say anything it's like when you get a, somebody send you a message if you don't answer you even on read usually they just talk to themselves eventually yeah and so with all of this going on and you know obviously 20 years ago the player fan relationship was very different right like you it was just there was no social media so there was no you would hear this stuff in person and then you could assume that the rest of the fans and your fan base just naturally loved you so how do you think the player relationship uh is today compared to two decades ago is it better is it worse or is it just different i mean i think the love for a team or your player, it's still the same. For example, I play for Toronto. The love, the Toronto fan love their players. You know, they yeah. love the team. Um, I think that's still there. I think the one thing that changes the things that are involved in the sport now. For example, you could gamble the parlays, and uh, you know, obviously, like you know, some people have two teams, three teams, some people have favorite players, and that changed a lot of things now because obviously. Um, you don't really love the sport anymore as much. You just love a certain person or a certain bet that you're doing. And that becomes really at a point where a lot of people are just starting to have really issues with somebody for messing up a parlay. For example, if I betted my whole, my car for, for this game and you missed a free throw, I might never want to see you play again. And I'll think that yeah. you're not, because you're a pro, You they think that you should be able to do that. Well, everybody makes mistakes. It's, you can miss a free throw, you know, it's, it's normal. But then before it was like, okay, we lost the game. Let's think about the next game and we're good. But now it's like, I lost the game. I lost the bet. I lost this. I lost that. They are getting involved as much as you are in the game now at a point where if you lose, they lose it too. And um, it's not even the sport anymore. It's a lot more involved. So that makes it a little hard. And I think that if it is something that changed between the player and the fan, that's something for sure. Yeah. And I I find that, you know the the media has always had this approach like specifically around when it's like Toronto Raptors media or Maple Leafs media whatever it may be 
they've always had this approach where they feel as if they're a part of the team in a way, if you know what I mean. And now with sports betting and gambling, you're getting fans who are acting the same way. So at a certain point, are you just like, you know what? Like they're not playing, they're not in the NBA or they're not playing on the Raptors. So what do they know? Like, I imagine it just gets so frustrating at times when you have normal people, you know, just commenting and like, and sort of acting as if that this is do or die for them as well. Meanwhile, no, it's not their life. It's your life and stuff like that. It's pretty funny. If you think about it, not about the bad, whatever, but the funny part about this is when you see teams saying, oh, I would trade this, this and not, I would do this, this and not. And you're like, <laughs> They turn into GMs, like they would know exactly what piece would go for what team. And sometimes they don't even read about contract. They just think like, I'll go get Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, <laughs> I'll just put them all on the team. But uh, like there's contracts in there. There's a lot of different things that you got to do, what the other team need. And um, you know, like I said, it's funny sometimes because you're like, you read some tweets and whatever, and uh, you're like, well, they, they don't even know what's going on. You know, like the way that they write in this right now, we're in the, we're practicing right now. We probably already, let's say, for example, for a game, we messed up a play and we just messed it up. They are, I would have did this, this and that. But like at the end of the day, you don't know what happened. I mean, you don't know, you know what I'm saying? But the way you're talking is like you were sitting right beside me when to shoot the ball, you know? So it's, um, it's to me, it's funny just because like, I like to see people being wrong. Like, oh, you know, I don't. <laughs> You're completely off. And then after that, I just want to see what you're going to tweet back. Like some people are just able to say something and forget that they said that and just go back to the next thing. And that's just what social media is for you now. Yeah, no, for sure. And I feel like it can, it's very, it can be a good thing when you have such a tight knit fan base that wants to get into these discussions and care about, and they really care about the team that much to a point where they're making their own channel. They're talking about it at the pub, at home, at the dinner table, wherever, at their job. And I think that's a good thing, but then you get the bad side of it where, you know, obviously we, we covered that. Um, but yeah, I really, um, really want to talk about, so do you think that this mentality that you have regarding social media, regarding the outside noise, is that unique to you or do a lot of players sort of share that mentality around the league at least to players you've spoken to um well i feel like it's i mean to me it's unique but i feel like you get to a certain point in your career where we all become like this like i've seen all the guys that have been for over five ten years in the league they all become to a point where they just treat it as a regular day for mm -hmm. example um, going to practice, people knowing who they are, whatever, they just end up being like they make it a part of their life so much where it doesn't even seem like they're not used to it or they, they, you know, like for example, that it's different for them. And one thing I've been doing, like, like I said, it wasn't as easy as, as it is now because I accepted it. So I accept that I could go somewhere, somebody might know me. I accept that I can't do some stuff, I can't say some stuff. I accept the fact that, you know what, there's way more to win than to lose on the position than i am which mm -hmm. makes me having to be a certain person consistently and that's something that um you know I, I had a hard time before because i was like why can i do this why can i do that i have this why can i do that but like like whatever you become it's gonna be for example a lot of kids are watching you a lot of people have seen a like, role model a lot of people everything you say they take it seriously so um 
you have to become the person that you wanted to be or the person that you're becoming because of what you're doing. And that's something that, you know, helped me a long time, a long way. And I feel like a lot of people are becoming like that when they do years in the NBA or in the NFL or whatever. They get to a point where they understand people are watching them. They understand their role model and they just try to do the right thing so people could either become like, become like them or better. Yeah. And like you said, there's certainly upsides to that. I mean, like your career and everything. But do you ever sort of envy like going like the people who go somewhere and sort of like just live that regular life? Like nobody knows who they are. They can go without getting the paparazzi. They can they can speak freely. Do you ever sort of envy that or are you happy with exactly with who you are? I mean, I feel like sometimes I envy because I've lived it before. You know, I played basketball late, so people didn't really know me. They knew me as a tall guy, but I was nobody. So yeah, I had the time to, you know, I had that feeling where nobody knew me, whatever. But also, I feel like, you know, you gotta take the best of both worlds. When nobody knew me, I wanted people to know me. I wanted people to, you know, sometimes you know, come say hi to me and you know talk to me. And now that I have it, I don't want to be the guy that's like, yo, uh, well. You know, I hate it. I wish I go back, go back when nobody knew me or whatever. Because at the end of the day, you do get privilege out of everything, and you do yeah. get, you know, you know, like sponsors and all those stuff. You know, like just having a good attitude makes people, you know, around you want to talk to you, want to be around you, and that's something that, um, you know, I was asking to be before. So I'm not gonna, you know, become somebody else now that I have a chance to be what I always has to be. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's just when when you get to that stage, it's just how it goes, right? A lot of guys are used to it. I'm sure, obviously, you're used to it by now. Um, and you're used to the fan love and the fan hate. And, um, you know, I just I wanted to ask last question about the sort of this whole uh, mentality regarding the fans and the media. Um, how big, we talked about the negative side, but how do you feel when you're in a city, especially as Toronto, with such a strong fan base, with such a very vocal fan base, how do you feel, how do you respond to the love that you get from the city, from the fans? Does it inspire you? Does it motivate you? Does it put a lot of pressure on you in a way? Um, no, I mean, like I said, the one thing I've always did in Toronto, and I mean, that helped me out, is like I've always been kind to everybody that I've met. I don't want them to think that I'm a superior to them. I don't want them like to think that uh, because I play in the NBA or you know, I play for their basketball team that I'm any type of better than them. You know, obviously like I make mistakes, they make mistakes, um, but I wake up in the morning and we do the same thing, you know, we bleed the same way. And um I make sure that when I meet people, whatever, like even though like people might see me as a higher standard, I still treat people the same way. And I think that's something that's been helping me out. And that's the reason why, you know, I love the Toronto fans because like like I said, they are kind, you know, they love their team and whatever, and they just want to be part of their team. Sometimes they just want to say hi. Like, you could be walking, and they just want to say hi. I'm not stop by. They'll probably run into it. And, like, some people might take it as annoying, but to me, it's like, you know what, man, if I made your day by saying hi, then it wasn't that hard. Like, you know, there's those little things that I used to um, ask for before. Now I'm getting it. Who am I to act like, you know, I'm too big time for it? Or who am I to act like, you know, that guy that just won't go into the mall to buy a shirt for his daughter, what's so different from him and me? You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I go to places like that and they say hi, they want to take pictures. I just do it because like to me it's like, you know what, man, if I made your day, you know, one day I won't be playing basketball no more. And maybe my son was gonna see somebody that, you know, he's you know, idolized and I would want that person to be kind to him. You know, so I wanna be that person too. 
For sure. And, you know, in a way, I think the fans here have to be extra polite because the weather is so bad a lot of the times. So, like, you know, how do you I know, like, you've been here for a while, but I imagine going from, you know, sunny California to cold and rainy and, and snowy Toronto was a bit of a shift. What were the main differences in sort of living in those areas and interacting with the neighborhood and the community? What are what are some key differences between that environment and here? Well, for me, what was really amazing for me is that I didn't really see um, see it as a bad thing because I, I mean, obviously, I was in the U.S. for a long time. After that, I went to Oregon and all that. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going back to Canada and going back to Canada was like everything that I've known. I grew up to Canada. So it felt really good to definitely go back to Canada and just having, um, you know, everything that I grew up in, you know, like everything that I've done around everything that um, I know, I felt good to go back and be there and just see my people and really knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian first of all. So that definitely changed out a lot of things and, but the temperature, the weather and all that is still, you know, still, something that you got to get used to. Yeah. Um, so let's, I want to focus on like the next steps in, uh, in your career path. So as I said before, there's a, there's this trend with your career. You, every year you're improving your game individually and you're, you're helping your teammates out around you. Um, so I just wanted to wonder what are your personal goals for this season and where do you see the team really going this year? Um, I mean, obviously, I, you know, if they ask me to go, I want to be like, if I come off the bench, I want to be six man. If, I, if they wanted me to start, then I want to start. Obviously, I, whatever level they got me or want to see or have a role they have for me, and I want to exceed on that. But I also think that um, you know, the way that I'm growing my game, the way that I'm seeing the game now and all that, I just want to be able to be to fit at any position, at any place that you want to put me in because at the end of the day you gotta be versatile and the way that the game is growing right now um everybody could do almost everything so i'm trying to be one of those prototypes where i'm able to do everything and help my team in a certain way where um you need me on the floor if it, for defense offense rebound or whatever we need and i think that's something that um you know i'm learning day by day something that i'm seeing um and with places where i can get better but also places where i excel and I just want to be able to use that at a point where um, it doesn't become just a just a saying, you know what I'm saying? I want it to be something that people know about me. Yeah, for sure. And um, last question here. Um, on that point, is it a dream to sort of play for Canada and and sort of go to FIBA? Is that a long-term goal of yours? Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I, it's been interesting. Uh, I was just with Dylan um, yesterday. And we're just talking about that, how, you know, it would be really nice to, you know, I mean, obviously it would be nice for me and him to play together again uh, for college, but also just to win, a, you know, win the Olympics, you know, obviously they did a really good job and, you know, kudos to them because, like I said, uh, they um, they went there and really made it happen, you know, obviously it was a long, long, long journey to the Olympics and they really made it happen. So um, what else can we do now besides the win, uh, try to win a, a medal? And I think that's something that we can do, obviously, with the team that they have. Um, we have a lot of nice pieces and a lot of guys didn't even play this year. So, um, yeah, it could be really special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're the face of the Silk Next Milk campaign. Can you sort of touch on the partnership and, and how that's been for you so far? Oh, I mean, obviously, uh, working with Silk has been amazing. Just, um, I, was, uh, I mean, I had a couple uh, 
months where I was vegan and didn't really know, um, you know, obviously what I was gonna, you know, I wanted to have my shake and my proteins and all that. And I didn't really know how I was gonna approach that. And um, like I said, just a plant-based, dairy-free, um, you know, that's something that I, mean, I would say helping me out a lot, just doing that down to make my smoothie and all that. I think that um, just to keep, you know, having some, you know, you wanna make a smoothie, you wanna find milk, but you can't drink milk. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I was kind of finding, and obviously you still want to have the milk taste without having, you know, milk. So that definitely helped me out. I think that was really special to to, to have a company like that that um, you know they would take it seriously about you know people wanting to taste the same taste the same thing that they usually take without having to take it. And um, Sick did a really good job with that. I mean, I had a photo shoot with them. Um, the first time that I tasted it, and it was, I mean, it was really good. So that felt really amazing to um, be part of that first um, plant, you know, plant-based uh, drink. For the last minute while I got you here, Chris, uh, let's get through some rapid-fire questions, just quick answers. Don't feel the need to elaborate if you don't want to. Um, let's get going. Funniest teammate you ever played with? It's a good one. Uh, I'll say OG Precious, Scotty. Um, best player you've played against? Kevin Durant. Fair, yeah, that's also a fair answer. <laughs> um, would you rather do a fun night out or a chill night at home? Well, right now, I'm more of a chill night at home, but fun night is fun too. Absolutely. Uh, your favorite video game? Call of Duty. And then uh, huge dunk or emphatic block? Well, I, I got, I got, I got used to. Uh, I got. I found some love in Duncan, so I'd say Duncan now. But blocking is always amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say blocking is kind of your staple, man. That's. Uh... But I'm changing it a little bit more. I'm dunking on people, so it's changing a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's they're it's pretty awesome too. And then lastly, it's probably you've probably heard this before, MJ LeBron. MJ, love LeBron. Like I, I think LeBron did everything and all, but. I mean, I'm just going to wait for him to win another championship and then I'll, I'll, I'll let him be the boat. But until then, I'll just, just got to keep it MJ for now. Till then, you're in the MJ boat because, you know, we'll just we'll just wait and see what, what LeBron does. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Much appreciated. It was great talking to you. Great meeting you. No problem, man. Have a good one. You too, man. Thank you. I would like to thank Chris for taking the time to speak with us, a great player and such a fascinating individual. Also wishing him and our Toronto Raptors the best of luck this season because, quite frankly, I think the morale of the city is very dependent on the form of our beloved sports teams. So thank you very much for listening to Detours. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of them are at Glory Sports. And while you're at it, if you can, leave us a nice review. It goes a very long way and really boosts the morale. With that being said, stay safe, stay tuned, and stay with us for more of Canada's most impactful athletes coming soon on Detours.